0: The following program is an original WWE podcast.
1: Coming up, I'll be talking with the Celtic Warrior. Ahead of his highly anticipated return to SmackDown, Sheamus is here. And the seven time tag team champions and hosts of their brand new podcast, The New Day. Plus, I'm going to tell you why I miss the Queen. All that and much, much more. ATB starts now. <laughs> Welcome, welcome once again to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and travel woes be damned, I made it back to New York, Stamford in particular, in spite of Mother Nature's best efforts to keep me out, because Mother Nature hates pro wrestling. Quick little note before we get rolling here, starting next week, this show, my show, After the Bell, will be dropping on Thursdays. It's Wednesdays right now. We're moving it to Thursdays because my ego is such that I am demanding my own day of content. Everything's crazy during the week, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, not quite as much. It can accommodate my massive ego, my massive ego that has also dictated that I am wearing my own merchandise. I grew up where if you wore the band's shirt to the concert you went to, you were a nerd. For some reason... That rule has been shattered by pro wrestling and sports entertainment where basically people only wear their own merchandise. And damn it, I want to sell some T-shirts. So I've got this handsome After the Bell shirt on. It's available right now at wweshop.com. Check it out. It's a great Christmas gift. Or you know what? Throw it in a trash can and burn it. Post it on social media. I don't care. Just give me your money. Before we get any deeper, I want to address the current hottest thing going In WWE, no, I'm not talking about NXT. No, I'm not talking about anything that went down on Raw or SmackDown. I am talking about the budding Twitter romance between Dana Brooke and one animal, Dave Bautista. It has been bizarre. It came kind of out of left field, but it caught the attention of everybody. This potential torrid love story. I appreciate it. I respect the hell out of it. Shoot your shot, Big Dave. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if they actually have any interest in one another, but it's kind of fun in a car crash sort of way to follow along on social media. I have no idea how to transition from that bizarre situation to things on SmackDown, so here's me admitting failure at my job that I am paid to do, transition. Here's the thing I want to talk about. A lot of people are talking about it. The Fiend's new championship. It's cool. I think it's very, very cool. I am a big fan of Tom Savini, who has a school just outside of Pittsburgh, one of the greatest special effects artists to ever work in the motion picture industry. I think it's cool that our worlds have collided. The championship in and of itself is very cool visually. But I have a problem with these customized championships. I always have. I hated when Stone Cold had the smoking skull belt. Yeah, it looked cool. But all of a sudden, the WWE Championship and all of its history now is customized to one guy. I didn't have a problem with the blue Universal Championship because it's now on Fox and SmackDown and the blue brand, so it kind of made sense. It still looks like the WWE Championship. I didn't hate when the Ultimate Warrior would change the strap on his WWE Championship to the different colors. I thought that was kind of an okay customization, but all of a sudden the fiend is going to defend a title that is just his face. I'm not a huge fan of it because I think it devalues the championship as a whole in our business. Everything is fluid. It's constantly evolving. The one thing that we've always kind of got is history revisionist as it may be, but the WWE championship to me personally is still the championship. Despite the positioning of the universal title, the WWE title is the one that I grew up wanting to hold when I was a kid. That was the one that Hulk Hogan had, that Macho Man had, that all of the greats had. Understandably, different brands. You need new championships. The Universal Championship comes into effect. It is what it is. But the more you change the championships, the design, to me, it just devalues it. Could you imagine in the NHL if the team that won the Stanley Cup got to redesign the Stanley Cup trophy? That thing is iconic. If the Penguins win the Stanley Cup and all of a sudden they're presented with a giant trophy of a penguin— I feel like it loses a lot of its luster. It seems kind of weird. The Patriots win the Super Bowl like every other year. Wouldn't it be a little bit weird if all of a sudden, instead of the Lombardi trophy, they were presented with a bronze statue of Giselle Bundchen? I mean, maybe that's not the worst idea in the world, but you get what I'm saying. You get custom Super Bowl rings or NBA championship rings specified to the team, but the overall trophy, the goal of the team in that year, in that league, in that sport, is always the same. I mean, I'm cool with customizable plates on the sides of the titles, but the championship being the fiend's face, I don't know about that. Either way, it's really cool, and if I had $6,500 laying around that I didn't need, I would certainly buy one, but I don't love my kids that much. Speaking of the fiend, I don't know if it's weird or if I kind of like the fact that Bray Wyatt or The Fiend as the universal champion is actually challenging his opponent. It's kind of cool. It's kind of different to me to have the guy at the top of the mountain calling the shots. For years now, it's been multi-man match or battle royal or something to determine who gets the crack at the champion at the next pay-per-view. And I just feel like it's a little refreshing. I think everything about The Fiend has been fun. But I do worry that we're getting a little too much of The Fiend. I'm not talking Bray Wyatt and the Firefly Funhouse, because give me all of that. The Muscle Man dance, the rap the other night, oh my god, I was sitting at the commentary table laughing. It was so clever, so entertaining. I love everything about it. It just has a completely different vibe than anything else on the show. I love it. But The Fiend, to me is best in small doses once in a while. Bring The Fiend out when you really need him or when it's time to defend the championship because he's this unstoppable monster. I'm by no means tired of The Fiend. I think it's awesome, but I just worry that it's too much of a good thing and people sooner than later are going to tire when it's just the same thing over and over. That said, as much fun as the match was at Survivor Series with Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt, give me three more months of that. I'm not complaining about that at all. It was awesome. It was fun to watch. I'm excited for the future. Just voicing my concerns. Elsewhere on Friday Night SmackDown, I loved the beginning of the show. Everyone's been upset and tired and up in arms about King Corbin and the big dog mascot and how boring or terrible it was. I loved it. To me, there is nothing cooler than when Roman Reigns goes nuclear. There were some pictures floating around online that somebody captured of my Red Bull spilling on top of my phone and Michael Cole's wounded monster energy can being spilled all over the ground, courtesy of Roman Reigns flipping everything completely upside down, literally. Um, But I dug it. I like a little chaos. I'm excited to see where it goes. I think we all know where it's going, and I'm happy to take the ride. Keeping on Friday Night SmackDown, we saw some returns. The goddess Alexa Bliss is back alongside her good friend Nikki Cross. More of the goddess is never a bad thing. And WWE's resident troubadour, Elias, showed up backstage in a very, very entertaining, albeit bizarre, backstage with Drake Maverick, who apparently forgot that he was married, or maybe now that he's not 24-7 champion, he'll never get to consummate his marriage, so maybe that, like, Makes it null and void. Does losing the 24-7 title that many times a null a marriage? I'm curious. I'm asking. Beyond Elias and Alexa Bliss, another man who made a very, very unexpected return. My next guest. He is a four-time WWE World Champion amongst a litany of other titles. And he has recently shown his face once again for the first time in far, far too long on Friday Night SmackDown the Celtic warrior, Seamus. Seamus, how are you, my friend?
2: What's the crack, Corey? I'm good, man. Just uh, driving around Las Vegas here on my day off, but um, no, I'm great, fella. I'm doing really, really good.
1: Well, good to hear. It was nice to see you, surprisingly as it was, in uh, Chicago on Survivor Series weekend. I was not expecting to see you, but you conveyed a little interest in coming on this here podcast, so I, uh, I talked to a guy.
2: Chicago was fun, you know. It was a good time. I was getting to see everybody again. It's been, like, far too long since uh, since I mixed it up with everybody. I know I was only there for a short time um, doing a cricket wireless appearance, whatever. But uh, it was a good time, man, to get back there and see, you know, a lot of familiar faces. And, uh, again, just getting the itch to be around everybody in the WWE again. It just takes over, you know, the whole WWE vibe.
1: It feels like home sometimes, more home than home itself.
2: It does, mate. You know what I mean? Especially for me, like I've been here in the States now for 12 years, came over from Ireland in 2007 and, um, you know, been on the main roster for over 10 years. So it's strange when you have a lot of time in your hands, because um, you're on the road a minimum four days a week with three live events and TVs or up to recently before the draft, you know, two TVs. So it's, it's strange having that much time, but just about, it's all a matter of like how you use that time off.
1: So I have this bad habit of trying to go straight to the source and addressing uh, rumors that I've heard or rumblings that I've I've heard about recently. A few months back, after you kind of disappeared from the public eye after WrestleMania, there were some rumors swirling that you were dealing with some injuries. Is there any truth to that? And if so, how is your health?
2: I think everybody in the main roster is dealing with injuries. Um, there's definitely been a lot with me. Obviously, my neck was one of those uh, those rumors. But honestly, Corey, honest, like the, last, the last seven months of time been off, I've used it really, really well. I've been hitting the gym really, really hard. I've been focusing a lot on my fitness and my well-being, diet and nutrition. And, and I've got a chance to go around, like pretty much travel around the globe. I was down in Malaysia and um, the Philippines for a tour with WWE. I've been back to Ireland a couple of times. And uh, also in Japan for the Rugby World Cup. But time off is great, you know time off, a little bit of time off can definitely help heal the body, because uh, God knows, you know, from my perspective, you know, there'll be superstars the guys and the girls who do what we do there, there is no harder job, people can talk about other sports till they're blue in the face, to be honest, but there's no one who works as hard as we do there 's no athletes who could do what we do, but uh, as everyone knows or who doesn 't know at this stage on on the podcast, I have a YouTube channel called Celtic Warrior workouts, where uh, you know I get to do workouts with different WWE superstars and and you know extraordinary people so I was focusing that up quite a lot i 've learned enough, a lot an awful a lot from that channel um, and i 've started to apply to a lot of a lot of those techniques new techniques that uh you know i wasn 't aware of before into my workouts and it's definitely helped change the game for me i 've worked in a lot of parts of my my body that, you know, I've kind of overlooked, uh, strengthening different parts of my body, like my neck and stuff like that, working on that, and honestly, mate, I, I've never felt better, I feel, I feel better now than I did 10 years ago, so actually, you know, funny enough, uh, you haven't been on the channel yet, Corey, but uh, I know your, your 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 missus has, Carmella, she bleeding, killed me doing a Carmella booty workout, so I couldn't walk for about two weeks after that workout, but... Uh, <laughs> Still waiting for you to come on there, Corey, you know what I mean, and show us, uh, show everybody what you got.
1: Well, I promise you my booty workout won't be nearly as extensive <laughs> or difficult or even exist at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> so while you were gone, you were obviously busy. You got your Celtic Warrior workout, and you, you said you've been traveling around. Um, did you keep up with WWE? Have you been watching while you were gone, or did you really just unplug? Because I know a lot of guys do both.
2: I did, I did unplug. You know, obviously I watched what Cesaro was doing, what Drew was doing, and uh, what Rusev was doing. Pretty close to those three guys. Drew I came up with from the Indies. 2005, I believe, of me and Drew paths for the first time in Irishwood wrestling. Wrestling each other a bunch of times over in Ireland and Scotland and England as well before we both got signed uh, on the same day after a tryout in Nero's Court in London in 2007. It was me, Drew, Wade Barris, and there's a couple of other lads who uh, who didn't, who never made it to the main roster. But uh, I always check out what he's doing. Obviously, uh, Rusev too with next door neighbor, and uh, shares the same love of Ishkabaha, the the whiskey that I do, and of course uh, Cesaro, who obviously tagged with for many for a couple of years, one of the most successful tag teams of all time. The bar, so generally I've kind of unplugged a little bit. You know, I wanted to kind of get. My my head back head straight and when i knew it was about to make the return i just started getting into watching everything raw smackdown nxt you know just to just to catch up on what's going on and you know honestly that after watching the survivor series my appetite to get back was was stronger than ever
1: that's the hardest thing in the world sitting on the sidelines knowing you're about to get back in and just waiting every minute feels like an hour
2: Absolutely, and you know what, it's, what's actually worse sitting on the sidelines when you're on the roster and you're backstage, that's the hardest part, that's been the hardest part for my career, is knowing like when you're not being used, you know what I mean, when you're like a substitute in there and you're sitting on the bench and you're watching the, these guys go down and tear it up on, on a, especially a, a massive pay-per-view or, you know, network special, so-called pay-per-views, like Survivor Series, everybody thought I was coming back. I didn't say anything, mate. You know what I mean. But uh, like a couple of days later, I was uh, I was back in the fold in Birmingham, good old Birmingham, Alabama.
1: What a town! What a town! I think before Chicago, the last time I I accidentally ran into you, it wasn't by accident, but I wasn't expecting it. Was in Vancouver because you uh, just took part in another WWE Studios film. How was that experience?
2: It was great, Crack. That was another thing. Obviously, I left that out from uh, some of the things I was doing while I was off. But it was a lot of fun, you know. Um, you sit at home for quite a while, and you know, you just the biggest thing you're thinking in your head is like, "Am I getting rusty?" You know, I need to be doing something. Especially for me, I'm very kind of like I'm very motivated. I'm very energetic. I need to be doing something, otherwise I get bored very easily. But the movie itself was great. The main event. Um, I actually got up there with Baba Tunde, who was. Definitely, a very, very charismatic fella. I'm not sure I've, I've done too much with him yet in NXT, but uh, obviously, like was he? Six foot ten, was he?
1: He's a, he's a very, very large human being. Yeah.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a very interesting background too, with like I guess, you say basketball or is it football? I'm trying to think.
1: Well, at his size, he can do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs>
2: exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> I
2: bet him. I saw you, and I saw uh, Renee, and. Miz was there. It was a good crack. It was a good, It was a fun, uh, fun little project, a fun Netflix project. So that's good. I think that's coming out pretty soon. Um, but that was a lot of fun, mate. It was good to catch up. I know we didn't get a chance to catch a beer or a Guinness or anything like that because we're about different schedules. But um, again, it was a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what the uh, what the end product looks like.
1: Right on, right on. Congratulations on all your success, and I'm excited to see you back. As we, uh, is, there, is there anything you can give me? Give me a little tidbit about what we can expect going forward on Friday Night SmackDown.
2: Ten years ago, the Celtic Warrior burst onto the scene of the WWE 2009 by kicking John Cena all around the place. No one had seen anything like Sheamus. No one had seen the hair, the, the pasty skin, the white skin, the accent. It was something completely new to the WWE. And, uh, Opened the door for a lot of superstars like that. You know, before before that, it was just a bunch of uh, it was either like guys with long hair, short hair, all like tan, leathery skin. You know what I mean? It was it was something unique, something new, and something fresh, and I opened the door for for you know people like Paige, Jack Galher, in English, and now it just seems to be the norm. You know what I mean? Even Eric Rowan as well. It's just like it, it was something fresh, something new. Corey, I just felt like at the end of the bar, you know, I've I had to do some soul searching, you know, like redefine myself. Um, we have done everything as at the, at the bar, myself and Cesaro, five-time Raw and SmackDown Tag Team Champions in such a short amount of time. But the look that I have now is, it's inspiration from, from everything that happened in the beginning, you know. And um, as I said, like, I'm hungrier now than I was in 2009. That's all you need to know. I got more passion than I had back then. It's hard to say that or whatever, think of it, but, like, I've never been more motivated than I am now, Corey. And as I said, the fella has big plans.
1: Beautiful. I cannot wait to see what the fella has in store. Seamus, before I let you go, where can uh, the audience here on After the Bell find Celtic Warrior Workouts?
2: Just go to YouTube, mate. Go to youtube.com forward slash Celtic Warrior Workouts. You'll see it all in there. And obviously keep an eye out for Corey Graves uh, making a special appearance on a future episode. Right, Corey?
1: Uh we'll discuss this later. <laughs> All right, Shamo. Let's get back to your day, man. I appreciate you calling. in.
2: People want to know how you fit in those skinny jeans, Corey. You know what I'm saying? I People don't. Want to know I that. don't. No, <laughs> you know, man. We need that needs to be revealed to the world. I don't
1: think I don't think anyone wants the answer to that. <laughs> I do. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Shamo.
2: Thanks, Cory. Cheers, fella.
1: Wednesday night, NXT, I feel like I sound like a broken record, but when it comes to in-ring action, you just can't touch what goes on on USA from 8 to 10 Eastern Standard Time. Leo Rush, the NXT Cruiserweight Champion in Tazawa tore it down, put that in my veins, give it to me every week. I never get tired of watching those dudes do their thing. Uh, but I think the thing that caught everybody's attention most, even if you didn't see NXT, if you have social media of any sort – You've seen the gif, or is it jif, you know, that moving picture thing of Adam Cole being launched into outer space, courtesy of Keith Lee, with a move, I don't know, they used to call it the pounce, I don't know if it's still the pounce, what they call it, but it was big, giant-ass Keith Lee running really fast and launching Adam Cole into orbit, I feel like it's been on my Twitter timeline pretty much nonstop, As we saw at Survivor Series, Keith Lee is about to be a big, big megastar. And Adam Cole, man, we talk about consistency. That dude is defining it right now. Week after week, everything Adam Cole touches turns to gold, in my humble opinion. So I'm excited to see where all this goes coming out of TakeOver, fresh start, clean slate, new stories. I mean, I don't know what more reason I can give you to watch if you aren't already. As I mentioned at the top of the show... Mother Nature hates wrestling and traveling and I was stuck and delayed and finally got to my hotel just in time to catch about the last third of Monday night raw and I'll tell you one thing that really really stood out to me that I'm a huge fan of Samoa Joe is freaking awesome at my job straight up awesome it is surprisingly hard for a lot of superstars to transition into commentary because it kind of goes against what you're taught. It's a it's a sort of a selfish business where you're always about promoting yourself and talking everything relating to yourself and your point of view. Uh, so to be able to break that in, what, basically two nights on commentary, Samoa Joe could be, you know, the, the WWE's answer to Tony Romo. Everyone's in love with his perspective. I think it's refreshing. Samoa Joe is great. Personally, as one of my longtime friends, he is One of the most talented human beings that I know. He's entertaining. He's incredibly smart. Not to mention a complete badass in the ring. Selfishly, I'm hoping Samoa Joe gets at least a world championship run before he decides to step out of the ring for good. I don't believe there is a transition in the works, but damn it, if Joe needed to prove to anybody, I think he's done so in an emphatic way. Samoa Joe on commentary, one of these days, I hope to be able to verbally spar with the dude because... Physically, he's beaten me up enough in the past. One thing I was not a fan of on Monday Night Raw, and to be quite honest, haven't been a fan of recently. And I want you to pay very close attention because context is very important to what I'm about to say. I'm sure that's not going to stop people from chopping things up and making this a headline and Graves buries somebody uh, because that's not what this is. This is Me, as a fan, and someone maybe a little too close to the business, just expressing my honest opinion about one of the best talents of our generation. In my opinion, Charlotte Flair has never felt less important than she does right now. Now, hear me out. This is Charlotte Flair we're talking about, okay? She has a resume a mile long and in a few short years has already cemented herself as one of, if not the greatest female superstar in WWE history. By the time it's all said and done, I'm pretty certain we will be referring to the Queen as such. But something about what's been happening lately just feels off. This whole tag team thing with Charlotte finding a different partner week after week It just doesn't click. I'm not feeling it. And it looks to me like Charlotte's not feeling it. You can see it on her face. Charlotte Flair looks like she's going through the motions and getting through the night. And again, I don't mean this as an insult. She is a close friend of mine. I have all the respect in the world for Charlotte Flair. I am not in any way saying anything negative about her ability. I am saying what is happening around Charlotte Flair has made her feel less than Charlotte Flair. For some reason, despite the fact that they spent the better part of last year trying to kill one another, she and Becky are all of a sudden just pals. Charlotte Flair and Oscar at WrestleMania a couple years ago was maybe the match of the year. Charlotte Flair is one of the most exciting talents in all of WWE, maybe the best athlete in the entire business. Charlotte Flair has the ability to be consistent, We heard Roman Reigns talk about the importance of consistency on this show. Last week, Kevin Owens talked about how his passion for what he's doing on television truly matters because it means he has something to live up to, something to deliver. And I feel like maybe Charlotte Flair is of the same ilk. Let's be perfectly honest here. Charlotte Flair carried the main event of WrestleMania this year. Yes, the man Becky Lynch won. Yes, Becky got all the spotlights and accolades, and deservedly so. But let's be honest. If Charlotte Flair was not in that triple threat match at WrestleMania, there is no way that that match is nearly as exciting or successful as it was. Period. I will argue that point to the death. Charlotte Flair, to me, was the star of that matchup. Because she is a pro. She is highly talented. And when she's motivated, dare I say, untouchable I miss the queen my queen the villainous that just kicked everybody's ass because she was superior I don't know how you bring it back I don't think it's a tough thing to fix but it needs to come back either that or let Charlotte Flair take a little bit of a break let her take some time off and just disappear from public eye for a few months let everybody remember why they miss Charlotte Flair why she is who she is And I know I have to explain myself ad nauseum, so allow me to reiterate once more I want the queen back. My guests at this time have the longest reigning title run in history. They are seven time tag team champions, and they are now podcast hosts with their brand new podcast, Feel the Power. Kofi Kingston, Big E, Xavier Woods, The New Day. Well,
0: technically, technically, yeah. technically, Corey. Technically, Corey so, is, it's entitled The New Day.
3: Well, Feel I didn't Feel the power.
0: I gathered that, but I didn't want to spoil it.
3: That's right. You guys will thing, like the drive call.
0: It. You, gotta, you gotta
1: say it.
3: You gotta yeah. say it. You know, if you gonna say it, you gotta say it.
1: Can I try this again? They're the brand new hosts yeah, of the again. brand new podcast, The New Day. Feel the power. more energy Uh, you know like a
3: little you gotta enthuse a little bit you know
1: listen I can only pretend so much you know whether
3: they're gonna be excited or not yeah that's the problem they got your problem right there they got your problem right there you know
0: you got got that spice inside your heart Graves go ahead and use it
1: (laughs) you know me you know me all too well Well, but, but first off, congratulations, guys, on the podcast. I actually checked it out yesterday on the plane. It was very, very highly entertaining. But before we get to delve into that, the new venture in your careers, I want to congratulate, in particular, Kofi and Big E with your accuracy for your recent ringside assaults during SmackDown. As in the last two weeks, Kofi <laughs> has connected directly with my face with a yeah. pancake. Oh god. <laughs> and this past yeah. week Biggie threw his ring jacket at me and somehow was so precise that it knocked the headset clean off my head but did not touch my head. <laughs> oh wow. It, it actually it actually freaked <laughs> Michael <laughs> Michael Cole freaked out because he thought I actually fell out of the chair. It was just my headset. <laughs> some of the some of the entertaining yeah, things that never make the light of day. Yeah. I
0: thought it's up named. In he who shall not be named told us we couldn't hit you with pancakes anymore. Has the band been lifted?
1: Uh, well, no, I think we if it happens it. <laughs> in the dark uh, when it's not on television, then he who cannot be named shall not see them. Therefore, if it happens in the dark, it doesn't really happen at all. That's right. Beautiful. But uh, let, me, let me try to gain some sort of order here. I just want to know where everybody is currently. Biggie, where are you at? I'm in Lando
4: Lakes. That's where I live. What
1: <coughs> Where you make butter, butter in down, your Lando. free time. <laughs> <Like> he's <laughs>
3: churning. He you know, he be churning. He be churning, in lord. He be churning. You know?
1: <laughs> what about you, Kofi? <laughs> uh-huh.
3: Yeah, I'm in uh, Austin, Texas. I've just dropped my kids off at their Spanish immersion class. I was hoping to be able mm. to uh, get on the treadmill for a little bit in front of L.A. Fitness before I had to go pick them up. Uh, instead, I'm in the parking lot. Doing your podcast, which will probably take up all my workout time, and uh, um, you know, but at least I'm in front of the gym, and I've got my I'm, I've got my compression tights on and everything. So that counts. Uh, that's my workout for the day. That counts. I'm here. I'm
1: here. And Woods, where are you? For you, Corey. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm I'm in the airport right now
0: because I'm about to catch a flight to Orlando to go to the PC to film some stuff for the second season of GM Mode on Up Up Down Down, which you can catch. You know, it's a really good YouTube channel. You should
1: check it out. Well, you can plug all your stuff at the end, man. I got to get I got to get some content out of you for my show because let's be honest, everyone's already listening you. to your show more than mine. I appreciate I appreciate the rub. <laughs> we didn't
3: want to didn't want to say anything about it. You know, we weren't going to say anything about it, but you know, yeah. you know, you're right. it's ain't
1: going to argue with you. So I, I was sitting, I was sitting with my producers trying to figure out what exactly it was that I wanted to delve into with you guys. I mean, Woods and E. I've known you guys since I started with WWE. Kofi, obviously, you were on TV for about eleven years before I got signed. Um, but I was I was listening to the podcast. Oh, we taking
3: pot shots. <laughs>
1: it's, wow, we are taking pot shots, Corey. I'm trying to okay. keep you. I'm trying to keep you motivated for your time at the gym, man.
3: Wow, I give up my 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 limited time at the gym. I'm sitting here looking at this LA Fitness, knowing I'm not going to go in. And here you are taking pot shots at me, your guest. <laughs> this is how you treat your guests on your show. Ooh, you got to make some changes, you know.
1: I'm trying. Like I'm your, trying. Like your a
3: little bit. You make some changes,
1: you know. One day at a time. One day at a time. So, <laughs> I was listening to the, the podcast where you guys delved into sort of your beginnings and what led to the new day as a group, and uh, kind of gave me a little bit of a trip down memory lane when I remember uh, the plan that you guys mentioned. And if you're listening to After the Bell right now, and for some reason you haven't already checked out the new day, feel the power. Go find it right now. Pause this. Listen to that. So you know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, But Woods, when you were talking about the plan, I remember watching that go down in FCW. uh, And it was Mm -hmm. you were you were sort of notorious for having a different gimmick every single week. Uh, My mind immediately goes back to Xavier Shango, the illegitimate love child of one Papa Shango, (laughs) uh, which I feel like you made made a really hard push for.
0: He was very legitimate. He was legitimate. So oh, he was he just legitimate. about no him on the back end.
1: <laughs> okay, and it actually it, it reminded me of a uh, a particular promo that you and I did together, where we were essentially trying to start a cult. Oh yeah, Doctor Woods. Yeah, we were cult leaders. And Reverend Graves. Thank God that never saw the light yes. of day.
0: No, it was great because then Bray just took it and made it his
1: own. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> oh, sometimes the truth is accidental and Biggie, I believe to this day, I, I have taken the big ending more times than any maneuver in my wrestling career. Um, 5 times in one night in Stark Florida. It's an easy bump. It sure was. Hey, it sure easy was. Bump, so, you so don't I just... say I never put Thanks. you over. Uh, That's what Jericho, this is all about you
4: do. Jericho calls it the uh, pillow bump because it's just like landing on a pillow because my, my breasts are pillowy. True? <laughs> Big pillowy Jericho. breasts. Okay.
3: That's what he called it.
1: So, so pillowy breasts aside, uh let me ask you this on a mm-hmm. personal note. How's it? How is it change the dynamic having Woods out with an injury and uh you guys are still doing your thing while Woods is recovering from losing the complete use of his left leg in that tragic accident.
3: <laughs> uh it it's weird man. I, I think I feel like it's really weird. Anytime like we're all three like not out there, uh it's just very bizarre. I, I think what's helped so he had the uh, amazing idea to to have this uh, new gear that has Woods' face on it. Him making the king face, this, this, this weird face that he always makes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so like in a weird way, like that kind of helps. And we wear the uh, the memorial armband on our arm, <laughs> and uh, he's always with us in spirit. Like that, it's it's kind of a suit, you know what I mean? Uh, but it is definitely kind of strange for sure, especially on house shows. Like, uh, there's one thing that I do where I'll I'll like uh, land on my feet and start twerking, and it usually works better if the trombone is there um, and there's no, there's no, there's no trombone and I'm just sitting there twerking in front of all these people. And it's like, (laughs) the trombone somehow like makes it less awkward. And, and, you know, like when the trombone is not there, it's, it's very awkward for me. So um, I miss that uh, as well as, uh, as, as Woods' presence, but he's always, he's on social media, like all over. And we're always on like text and everything. So um, it's just weird. that He's not there in the physical form, but you know, we're, we're adjusting.
1: Did Kofi and E, did you guys make any contributions to uh, Wood's scooter that he utilizes to get around?
4: No, that, that's all him. Uh, he's obviously a very creative man, so let's, uh, we just let him do him. Uh, I did very much enjoy, uh, he put out a video on Instagram. Where he was like, uh, it was real weird, as, as per usual, but I did appreciate He had a nice uh, little subtle shout-out to the five count on the scooter, which I appreciated. It yeah. uh, really warmed my heart.
1: Oh, you mean, you mean that thing you stole from King Kong Bundy?
4: Uh, borrowed, borrowed. <laughs> I, I acknowledge him. and I, In fact, I shouted him out on, on Twitter. Rest in peace to the legend King Kong Bundy. So, no, I don't, I don't pretend that I made it up. In fact, uh, I think it was Dusty. Actually, Dusty Rhodes was the one. So, NXT had started. Uh, we were about a year into NXT, and I had still not done anything on NXT, uh, even though I'd been around for a while. And Dusty came up with the idea uh, for, to use the five count and honestly, that probably saved my – I probably wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for that because it got some really good fan reaction and things took off from there and I got called up. But, uh yeah, it was actually Dusty's idea to, to let me have the uh, live count.
1: And it also spawned some of my favorite entrance music ever in WWE. Three ain't enough, Ooh, man. I need five. Mm,
3: I need five. I miss it. I miss it. Shock everywhere.
1: All right. <laughs> all right. Why <Well>, <laughs> <laughs> So here on After the Bell, I, I do my best, usually fail miserably, but try to keep uh, a finger on the pulse of what the WWE universe is buzzing about. And it might be a little bit late at the moment, seeing as how you are once again tag team champions. But Kofi, you uh you sort of sent the audience into an uproar of sorts when you lost your WWE championship to Brock Lesnar uh, in record time. I send
3: him? Did I do that? No, no. <laughs> I
1: didn't.
3: Hey, yeah. Yes, so was I did that. Was that was my fault. That was my choice. <laughs> you know? Is, is, that, is, that, is that the narrative that we're trying to push? That's exactly right what now? I'm trying. I <laughs> <That's>... uh, <yeah. laughs>
0: gotta, oh, gotta get rid of this. I gotta get rid of this. I gotta,
3: I gotta get rid of it. It's fast. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Hop it in, hop it in, hop it in. Hit it off. Hit it off. <laughs> Quickly, in front of the biggest SmackDown audience ever. Yes. Get off! Get off! I don't want it. Yes, that, was, that was the plan was to try and set a record uh, for for losing the uh, WWE Championship in record time. Uh, no, it, it was not. It, it wasn't. It really wasn't up to me. Uh, but uh, like, you know, I've said this uh, on a few different interviews. Like, it kind of is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, you show up at work and you find out what you're doing, and uh, you you do it. You know what I'm saying? So. So and this is weird too. Is like so a lot of people will be on my like my social media and be like, "Well, Kofi, you're out there and you're you're acting like you don't care, man. You did you forget that you were the champion and this and that?" And I'm like, "Well, look. So you you're asking my uh, my my on screen character to be uh, angry, like like who's my real character? You know what I'm saying? So like I don't know. I just feel like it's uh it's one of those things where like." It just kinda it just kinda is what it is, you know. Uh in the reality, I'm on screen, I'm a good guy who lost in eight seconds. So as far as like making a, a case for a rematch, uh like where you know what I mean? Like what what would my character have to say? You know, well like, give me another shot, Brock. I lost in eight seconds, but I'll get you next, you know what I'm saying? So you're you want my like my real life character to take on this like this anger and, 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 and be mad with the way my, what happened on on screen. So it's, it's just a weird, like this weird conundrum. Um, but for me personally, uh, I've always approached this business as somebody who's always trying to like move forward. You know, uh, you, you can't dwell on one day, you know what I'm saying? Like there's been a lot of days that have been, I guess, uh, like negative for, for lack of a better term. But if you, if you dwell on those, then all of a sudden you're miserable. You don't want to come to work. And for me, uh, I'm just, you know, trying to, trying to push forward. I think it's important to always kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep on climbing mountains, keep on setting records, you know, keep on doing positive things in this industry because it doesn't last forever. And I feel like it's a waste of time to kind of like dwell on the negative aspects of things, you know? So, um, that's, that's where I'm at with that whole situation. I think it's, uh, I appreciate like, the, the passion that people have, but um, I'm puzzled by the anger that some people have towards me because I'm not the one who's making all those decisions, you know what I mean? So it, it, it kind of it is what it is, I suppose.
0: I think also, too, I think it's important for people to realize that each match is not a war. Each match, each, each show, each segment that a talent is given is a battle Clearly, New Day is still here currently. We're tag team champions. So, like, we haven't lost the war. The war is not over. For us, I don't know if the war ever will be over, but it's something that we are constantly fighting as much as possible. And that was a, a battle for Kofi. It was a battle for all of us. But it's not the end of the war. So understand that New Day will, will always constantly fight uh, in, in the fight that we have to, and we will do our best to win everyone that we can. But guaranteed, we are gunning for the
4: war, not the one fight. Right, and that being said, uh, is a lot more level-headed than maybe anyone else I've ever met in the business yes. because everyone else would have reacted. I was, I was irate when I found out about it, uh, and, well, I, yeah. and I think that's a testament to, to Coke because I'm not going to say no one else in the industry, but very, very few people would have that same approach and be able to move on and not have this feeling of sour grapes and that they were wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially when you take into account the importance of Kobe winning the title and the way that it, the title fight even came about—the whole story was just absolutely incredible—and so inspired and so many people. And so, for it to end in the way it did, as Kobe said, I, mean, you know, I understand the frustration people have, but but the I feel like the anger is uh, is possibly misplaced, uh, and we just want to make sure that people are taking a look at the larger picture because if, we, if you don't, you're going to cry every time. You know, you got you got to look
1: forward. Tell me a little bit more about the, the larger picture, Woods, as you mentioned. I know you and I spoke before about the, the significance of Kofi winning. Uh, from your perspective, and, and yours as well, E, what does it mean to have Kofi be the WWE champion? It, it's an incredible
0: feeling, obviously. like We always make, or we, they, Kofi, and E always make fun of me. Because uh, when somebody brings up a picture of us holding Kofi up after he won the title, like I'm balling, I'm crying, because like, it's it's incredibly important. He's the first African-born WWE champion. And so the fact that I know for me and E, the fact that we got to at least play like some small role in, in that amazing story, it's incredible to us. But now there are kids all over the world who say, oh, there's a champion who looks like me. There's someone who's been champion that looks like me. So I have a viable shot at winning this championship. For so those kids that don't look like Kofi, that don't look like us, they go, oh, people that look like that, can become chanting. So it's not just opening the minds of, like, young black kids. It's opening the minds of all kids everywhere. So, uh, and then on a larger scale, like, that's, it's, it's, it's a thing that we've been shooting for for such a long time. You know, we've said it in multiple interviews, on the multiple podcasts, like, this is what we want for Kofi and sort of have it finally happen. And then for Ian and myself to win the tag team titles at that point, too, uh, what she was after, like, that was it, was, it was wild. And so it just, it just gives kids another alternative for what they can actually perceive to be their goals or like, you know.
4: And I think too it's a big win for us as a stable because I think if you compare us to any other modern stable, the first one that comes to mind is the Shield. But in many ways I think we're very different from the Shield because I always think of the Shield as a supergroup. Like they were always intended to be more, to be world champions. And you kind of saw it from day one. They had the pedigree of okay these, these guys are all going to be top guys. Whereas we were three guys who came together on our own just to get on TV. The fact that we like, were even on TV in a mid-card role at all was a win. And for the Shield, that would be wildly disappointing. So for us to get a guy, to get Kofi, to have a guy be the world champion to, to that point, to beat Daniel Bryan. And I think the thing that makes it even more special is I give a lot of credit to Daniel Bryan, who I think is legitimately mm-hmm. – uh, like a generational talent. And it meant so much more because Brian was so hot and Brian is just so damn good in the ring, on the mic with his character, that Brian was so giving with the build to the story and with everything that it meant more because he didn't just beat any world champion. He beat a generational talent like Daniel Bryan. So that meant more. And for, for our stable to produce uh, Kofi Kingston, a guy who... At this point in his career, like none of us should ever were ever destined to be world champions with the way things were laid out for us. You know a lot of us we were just me and woods, I would say were kind of lucky to still have a job. so for us, mm-hmm. to kind of push through the mid card uh, i don't want to call it hell, but just that that sluggishness of the mid card and kind of push through that muck and, and make it to the top is is uh, it's a nice story in an industry where you don't get that many guys like us who are able to push through that glass ceiling.
3: Yeah. And, and just to like echo that, the, the sentiments, I, I feel like, you know, Woods and Eve have like covered everything perfectly. Uh, Woods had mentioned um, that they had a small role in this. And <laughs> I, I would say they definitely had a large, a large role. i said it in many interviews, like just because I was the one that was wearing the title around my waist um, it, it, like Woods and E were equally responsible for that happening. It was all of us that were the champion because without Woods and E, I wouldn't have been in that position in the first place. I would have never had a chance to show any kind of personality, um, really get any kind of mic time, you know. Um, so, so I, I'm I'm super grateful for for them uh, coming to me and approaching me. Uh, about being in this uh, this group and it ended up being so much more than we ever planned for it to be. And like he was saying, like, it w- we've just worked so hard, you know? Um, and, you know, kind of like the power of positivity thing is a lot more than just like what we say on camera. It- it's just us kind of like the way that we are, the way that we approach life, the way that we approach uh, this industry, the way that we approach everything and to see it kind of um, come to full full bloom at, you know, WrestleMania uh, for, it, it was just amazing on so many different levels. Like, and Woods like out there like crying. I feel like uh, it took a lot of the pressure off of me because when I saw him like emo, I was trying to hold my emotions back like so badly. And then when Woods was like you know just letting all the tears, fall, I was like, oh, I have to be there for him, you know. So then I like it automatically- So it helped me to not be the one that was boo hoo crying because if it, you know if Woods if it, if if Woods wasn't, I definitely would have because it was definitely really emotional from so many different perspectives. Obviously, from the New Day perspective, from the, uh, from the perspective that my uh, family was in the crowd. My dad had never been to a WrestleMania. My brother had never been to a WrestleMania. He was there. My kids got to get in the ring, um, you know, and my son's throwing out the T-shirt to everybody. He's jumping to the second rope, and, and just everything happened for a reason, you know, um, Being, uh, you know, born in Ghana, hadn't been back in 26 years, the fact that it was this year that I won the championship and I was able to go back. Uh, The president of Ghana declared this as the year of return. And, you know, I got to return to Ghana with the WWE championship, the most prestigious title in the history of wrestling with a a, a very popular Ghanaian name on the side plates. And to be able to show that to kids was awesome, you know, to, to go on social media and see, little kids jumping up and down and, you know, crying and, and sharing tears and, and just, like, happy about the situation. Then to see, like, other videos of grown men in bars doing the same exact thing to be able to have a moment that was so impactful in this industry. Like, that's what you strive for, and that's what we all do this for. So, um, I, I'm, and like Woods was saying, too, as far as, like, representation is concerned, uh, being able to represent for people who look like us is super important. You know, it's one thing to say that anything is possible in theory, but to say that it's possible because it actually happened, like we can say that now, you know, so that's huge. And then also what really kind of um, united the WWE universe in getting behind me was that my story was, it transcended race. It was a story of struggle, an 11-year journey trying to get to this point you know and everybody who uh was in the wwe universe who supported me like came on that journey with me so it was all of us you know it was a group effort you know on so many different levels and it came to fruition on the grandest stage of them all the people were just as involved and as essential in making it happen as uh, as we were too you know because without them demanding it helen um uh, elimination chamber without them you know without kofi mania like that, it, this whole thing like doesn't happen so um, I'm just super grateful to be a person that can um, just represent all of those things, you know, represent everybody and provide hope for everybody on so many different levels. So sorry to get, like, long-winded. I know you only have a certain amount of time on your podcast, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a subject where we definitely, uh, definitely kind of hold the situation near and dear to our hearts. And um, I personally am just so grateful that it happened on such a grand stage, and then Daniel Bryan too. Sorry to keep going on, but Daniel's oh, take the man all in, the time in the world. You know? man. I-, I haven't like, he, yeah, bro, he's like, and I haven't like said this on any interviews before, but like he was a, a big like he pushed for that to happen because the plans weren't for me to be at WrestleMania. I'm not sure who it was for, for Daniel to face, but um, it wasn't me. And Daniel went in and went to bat uh, for for me, and you know for the situation for the title match for between us to happen. You know, so he had a big part in it, too. So just, again, like he was saying, a testament to, like, his state of mind as far as um, advancing the business and doing the right thing uh, for the people and for the best, like, match and product uh, for the people to, uh, you know, to take in. So, you know, kudos to, kudos to Daniel Bryan, too. Like, so many moving parts, man. I could go on for, for hours about this, and, and I, I don't want to do that because, again, your, your time. You know, is uh it is valuable. So but yeah, man, on so many different
1: levels, just awesome. I could listen to you talk about it all day to be to be perfectly honest, man. It's it's rare, especially in the position I was in where I was calling Raw, calling SmackDown, calling pay-per-views from start to finish. I had watched so damn much wrestling that I found it hard to care from times. But I swear to God, at Elimination Chamber, that was about as loud as I had heard in Arena at that point, and it was one of those real organic moments where sitting at a commentary table, it was no longer, oh, okay, hey, hey, be sarcastic announcer guy, I got to be a wrestling fan again. Uh, One thing I do want to, I want to touch on with you guys briefly, it's kind of struck a nerve with me, or stuck out to me, I should say, uh, when I was listening to your podcast last night, was that you'd referenced the, the black wrestler archetypes. And particularly after Kofi won, and it's 2019, this is a, a major issue, not only in, in sports entertainment, but any business and across the country, the race issue. And as a white guy within WWE, I don't feel that I'm necessarily qualified to speak on it, but I was really curious, just hearing you guys touch on it, is that something that you guys deal with on the regular, or have dealt with on your path? Obviously, we know you guys have made it to the pinnacle of the, of the business, but I, I just... As a friend, as a man, I'm curious as if that's something that is still an issue.
0: Um, I think, obviously, it was an issue much uh, many years ago. So we've had the opportunity to talk to many very influential African-American performers and the things that we've heard that have gone down. We're very lucky that we didn't have to go through those. They were able to, to go through them, get through them, be successful, and make it easier for us who have come after them. And that's what we're trying to do for the ones who come after us. One thing that the three of us, uh, really, really get behind one of those ideas. Something I talked about earlier is the fact that you can't let a battle make you stop fighting, which we're fighting for the war. And so, um, and one of the ways that, that we do that is to just go out every night and give everything that we can. Um, and you can hear this talk, uh, talk about more on the podcast is like we didn't at all enjoy the first gimmick that we were given because we wanted to be something completely different, but we were lucky to be able to. Uh, understand how and when to pivot in order to make it a success in the company so that at this point, we're just ourselves. We're not going out and necessarily doing things that people are trying us to do. We are ourselves and our regular everyday personalities just turned up a little bit for cameras. Um, and so that itself is a win because I feel that it shows many people again like referencing Kofi becoming champion, it changes people's perspective and says, Oh, you don't have to be within these lines. You don't have to be within these three archetypes for black wrestlers that we know from historical uh historically these are what they are. Uh you can just come out. You can be ridiculous and you can be insane because you can just be yourself. And so uh that that's the bigger picture to us. That's the war. Not necessarily winning titles, which it is important. Not necessarily being in crazy historical moments, but showing people that things don't have to continuously be the same. can change and they are changing that's the
4: bigger picture for us and, and i think too uh a big part of it uh, for us and always has been like moving forward is what images are we putting out there like i i love Shad, and i love jay's people but crime crime time like you know what i mean like putting out images that black people steal or like sure, we that, wanted
1: to that feed into stereotypes right
4: Right, right. We want to make sure that whatever images we put out there, because, you know, there have been times where we've been accused of shucking and jiving because we dance or we clap or we sing. But uh, I, we've tried to, and I, I, you know, I'm i like very like self-critical. So I always look back and like, what is something that we're doing on TV? Does that send a message about men of color, about black men that I wouldn't want out there if I had children uh, or if I had nieces or nephews or whatever it is? So uh, that's, those are things that we're always cognizant of, too, because... We, the images that you put out on television, uh, on the internet about what it means to be a black man, they can reinforce stereotypes or they can break stereotypes. So um, for us, it was more about, you know, we've met, I've met, and we've all met, the three of us, throughout our life, so many black men, young black men who say, who are into anime or cartoons uh, or, or like, or just nerdy, and, but so many of us felt the need to hide that aspect of us, of ourselves. Uh, and so we just wanted to show guys like, hey, you don't have to fit within this very tight box of what it means to be a black man, that you can have a myriad of interests, that you can be goofy, that you can be weird, uh, you can be awkward, whatever it is. Um, and, and like one of my good friends, I played ball uh, at Iowa with Mike Daniels and he's, an, he's a starter in the NFL and has been, he was a pro bowler and he's a huge nerd. Like So I think the more opportunities you get to have uh, these different images of black men that are positive, that are different, that are unique, I think those are all really beneficial. So we just want to make sure that we're putting out images that we can be proud of and that don't reinforce stereotypes of what it means to be a black man that we would be ashamed of.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate the perspective and the honesty. Uh, it's just something that I'm always curious about. Um, so, we'll make things a little bit lighthearted now before I let you go. Uh, I saw, internally, a video of Big E wearing a Santa Claus suit, Kofi dressed, I believe, as a reindeer and looking extremely uncomfortable, and Woods laughing hysterically. I believe it had something to do with your podcast. What was it?
3: I mean, you just don't have to wait and find out. Corey, you just—you you can't come out here and just get to spoiling stuff. I uh, know you want to get the exclusive. You want to get the exclusive on the Corey Graves <laughs> podcast out here. You want to get the exclusive, exclusive, you know, but you got to wait for all that. You know, we can't just give it all to you on this show. You got to check out our show and, uh, you know, and, 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 and figure it out. You know what I'm saying? But let me, Corey, let me ask you a question because uh, this is something that a lot of people might not know. Uh, you and Biggie's interactions on the personal level, every time you guys see each other. It's a very, uh, it's an almost uncomfortable, um, yes. insulting, you know, mm-hmm. um, very, uh, just a, a dastardly interaction, right? You, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you guys, you, you run each other down. Most of the time, Big E gets the upper hand with the, uh, with the word play. I, I, that's <laughs> all, a, maybe I'm opinion. I don't know. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But anyway, so and then I also <laughs> noticed on social media that uh, you had named uh, a new dog of yours Pancake. Now, you know Mm -hmm. that we are the princes of pancakes in WWE. Uh, Out of all the names that you could have chosen for your your best friend, because that's what a dog is, man's best friend. That's your best friend, uh, uh, and you name Mm -hmm. him Pancake. After something that Big E is a prince of. So my question to you, Corey Grave, is do you feel like you have some sort of a uh, Stockholm syndrome? (laughs) Is that, you know, is it 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 Stockholm syndrome, Corey? Because name out of all the names you could have chose to name your best friend, that's what your dog is, he's your best friend, you chose to name him Pancake. You could have named the Waffle. Uh, uh, Waffle. Waffle. My girlfriend named Dog.
1: Waffle. My girlfriend named the you
3: know? Dog. Oh, you can't throw Mel under the bus now. <laughs> I mean, you accepted. You, I've seen you holding this dog. I've seen you loving this dog named Pancake, you know? And Biggie is insulting you on the regular. And, and your response is to... Name your best friend. Your best friend. After uh, one, of, one of Biggie's, uh, you know, he's he's a prince of pancakes. So, can you explain yourself on that? That's what the that's what the people want to know, Corey Graves. Explain yourself on that one. Talk about your Stockholm syndrome,
1: Corey. It's not about me. This is about the new day, the new day podcast. Feel the power. <laughs> I am Corey Graves, the ringside from Friday Night SmackDown, <laughs> and I demand to drive wedges as I do. Which one of the three of you is the next WWE champion singularly? All of us. There is How dare a, you. That's not possible. How there dare you. See what I did there? I'm pivoted.
4: Why can't we freebird? Why-
1: Why- I'm driving with Free
4: Bird a world title. That'd be that'd be unique. You know? You
1: know? It, it, you know? The Freebird rule doesn't apply to the world championship.
3: It's it's Corey cool. out here, it's the New Day rule. It's the New Day rule. Everyone knows this. You. Now you're out here making the rules. Corey, you don't make the rules.
0: Yeah. Rude.
3: You don't make the Rude. rules, sir. Okay,
0: oh, you, gotta yeah, we'll see. See. More, you gotta more importantly,
3: why why do you have so many
4: internet beefs? That's what I want to know. You always caught up in some internet turmoil. Mm-hmm. Talk about this. Mm-hmm. I have to yeah. to some squabbles.
1: That's what the, that's what the kids about do, about right? It's twenty nineteen. Go. Go. Isn't that what you do? You have to have a beef, you have to have Twitter <laughs> beef.
4: <laughs> nah, man, you should. got to relax. That's, okay. that's, that's your New Year's resolution, relax on the
1: Internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, well, I appreciate you hanging out and taking your time out of your okay. day. Kofi, go get in the gym. Woods, have fun on your flight, and uh, E, go enjoy making butter.
4: it. We don't do that here, but thanks a lot, man. It's been your pleasure. <laughs>
1: All right, guys, hey, tell everybody where they can catch your podcast. Plug it first.
3: Yeah, you can catch it on Apple Podcasts, on the Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch The New Day. Feel the power.
1: I liked it better when I did it.
3: Babe. Yeah, well. You know, we still we still new at this thing. I mean, you know, we're the uh, the highest rated uh, WWE podcast of all time. But you know, I, I, I don't <laughs> want to put that out there. I Don't know anything about that. You know, we still new yeah, at it. You know, we still we're still great. Uh-huh. We're still young going right, at right. this. But we over at the top. We, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm not saying it as a... know. No offense. No offense. No offense. No heat. You know, no heat.
4: Right. We don't want any heat with you. But I know you're Triple H on and everything. And you still got beat uh, by us and our.
3: Yeah,
4: first yeah, yeah. You but it's cool. Bringing
3: out the big guns and you still got people. You, you brought out the big guns and you still lost the gunfight. But I don't have an no offense, no offense, no offense, no offense, no offense,
1: no offense. All right, guys. Honestly, I appreciate it. I'll see you all on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Appreciate you, man. Unfortunately, our time together beginning to wind down. Throw some uh, wisdom your way before we bail It was the Buddha that said, if you light a lamp for someone else, it will also brighten your path. I think that relates pretty well to some of the wisdom that the New Day was spitting earlier, so I want to thank Kofi, Big E, and Woods for hanging out. Also, the Celtic warrior, Seamus. Can't wait to see him back in action. Just a reminder, after the bell moves to Thursdays next week, my ego demands such. Also, I demand that you follow at AfterTheBell on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Use the hashtag AfterTheBell to join the conversation. If you're on an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or your podcast app of choice so that you never miss an episode. Do me a favor. Subscribe to ATB. Throw me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Help spread the word. If you want, you can follow me at Graves on Twitter, on Instagram. I'll be back next week on Thursday with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.
0: This has been an original WWE
3: podcast.